Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Topical Brainstorm. Uh, my name is Christian Larson, and I'm here with Garrett Fox. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I have a dog in my lap, which is fun. Yeah, this time we're at my house, and uh, Garrett only got here about five minutes ago, so Scarlett is still being a psycho. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know how to train that out of her. Hopefully she'll calm down. <laughs> um, anyway, we're going to do part two of the Untethered Soul today. Uh, but before that, how was how was your week? We actually only took one week off in between recording know, episodes is, uh, for the first time is, in a while. This feels new. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was good. I'm actually going out to dinner tonight with my parents and my fiance's parents. Which should be fun. Have they not met yet? No. That's a big night. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm worried, but maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember when my parents met Kylie's parents. I feel like we were going to go out to eat, and instead we, like bought sandwiches from Costco and just met up at, at Kylie's parents' house. Oh, yeah. I feel like it went, I think that was when they all met. I don't remember. My, uh, my dad was talking to me, uh, like a month ago and he's like, yeah, usually, you know, you meet each other, you have the wedding and then you never talk to each other again. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, there's always like when you have a kid yeah. and, uh, yeah, like that. But you like you'll see each other so rarely that it's like Yeah. It doesn't have to be a great relationship and <laughs> it's yeah. okay. Well what's weird is I think my dad and her dad could become friends and that kinda worries me, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like that might be kinda weird, but <laughs> obviously they're adults and can do whatever they want. So Yeah. You shouldn't stop your dad from making uh, friends. I'm not going to stop my dad. I don't need to stop my dad from making friends. <laughs> uh, nice. Where are you going out to eat? I'm going to Texas Roadhouse. Classic. Yeah. Might as well get some good food. Texas yeah. Roadhouse. Gosh, get out of here. Uh, get those. Um, I always want to say Awesome Blossom, but I know that's not Texas yeah, Roadhouse. Awesome Blossom. Oh, the, that's, that's from the office. Yeah. The, is it chilies? It's like or? the, yeah. It's right. something similar though. That onion that's dull. Yeah, the onion flour thingy. And those rolls. Those rolls are so good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not eating gluten. Oh gosh. Which. I'm sorry. That's gonna be the biggest challenge. Sorry, I just brought up the rolls. Yeah, you monster. <laughs> oh man, how is that going? Is it still going well? Yeah. Uh, so yesterday I had a. I think it was yesterday. I had a job interview. No, it was two days ago. I had a job interview and it pulled into Burger King and it was like, yo, do you guys do like lettuce wraps? And they're like, no. So I was like, well, I can't back out of this place because there's a car behind me. And I don't want to be like, well, never mind. And just wait in line until I can go. So I was like, just give me a Whopper. So I ate that and it was so good. It was like, one of the best burgers I've ever had. And then 
the next day it was not so good. <laughs> so you're definitely noticing a, a difference. Oh yeah, there's a yeah. huge difference, which sucks, but Dang. that's life, you know. I uh, I'm impressed <laughs> by you. Thank you. And your ability to to I mean, obviously you're you're not going like 100, percent but. But even the fact that you've done it for a few weeks and you can notice the difference, like yeah. it's gonna make it easier, I'm sure. But and yeah, then, and then like, you slip up, and then yeah, it's not worth it. So well, it's been like a month. Uh, what what you usually do is you cut out gluten, and then you slowly reintroduce it mm. to see if your body will be able to tolerate it. So I might try that every once in a while. You know, but, so far not not good. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't that bad, but it wasn't like. It was, so there's been times where I've had like some serious stomach pains, like really bad. Yeah. And it wasn't like that, but it was different, you know, you could, I could definitely tell a difference. Yeah. So. So was the, the burger one of the best you've ever had? Was it worth it though? Is it worth what happened the next day? Probably not. <laughs> You know, give it a few more months, and then if it wasn't like a... Because honestly, I think it only tasted good because of the gluten in it, or like because of the bread. Yeah. Because when I pulled pulled it apart and looked at it, it wasn't that great of a burger, you know. They, they were skimpy on the lettuce. The tomato wasn't that great looking. Well, but yeah, man, it I'm, not a, good. I'm not a big Burger King believer. I usually am. Usually Burger King does a good job. But, yeah, so that's my life. All right. Nice. Well, good luck tonight. Thank you. Um, I'm trying to think if I have anything to report on. Um, no. <laughs> that's too interesting. I have another job interview on Monday. Oh, yeah, a job interview. How'd that go? I think it went all right. They told me they were going to get back to me on Friday. But they didn't. Gosh, so. places suck. Yeah, they're really bad. That happened to me, too, when yeah. I was looking for a job a few months ago. That's so annoying. But uh, this, I have another one. Like, so Thursday morning, I was laying in bed. And I had woken up and was just laying there. And about five minutes after waking up, I received this phone call. And it was this place that I had applied to in, like, December. And they're like, yo, we want to interview you. How's Monday sound? But the, they asked me if I had applied there. And I, I yeah. honestly couldn't remember. I was like, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they're like, you don't remember? You sent out so many that you don't remember? And I was like, yeah. yeah. That's not, that shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> yeah. And then they're yeah. like, well, we want to interview you. So it's at a water reclamation plant. Oh. So I would be... A, testing assorted sludges where is it it's in south jordan okay but sludges just means poop you know so that's fun <laughs> oh, your life's gonna be great <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean if i even get it but it'd be a good job it pays well and there's great insurance so yeah nice and it's like insurance. it's four tens every week and you work every other saturday so i think you get sundays off but with that schedule, like every other week, you'd have basically five to six days off in a row. Um, 
Which would be really nice. So four tens, but one of those 10-hour shifts is a Saturday every every, every other, other week. week. Yep. So not like five days on the weeks you work a Saturday. Yeah. That sounds like a good schedule, dude. Four tens. Yeah. yeah. That's That's just like... Yeah, another extra day off a week sounds so nice. It does. Like this last week, I only worked four days because it was uh, MLK Day. Yeah. It was so nice. (laughs) This upcoming week, I'm going to take Tuesday off because uh, Kylie's sister is graduating. Shout out to Taylor. She passed her NCLEX. Nice. Good job, Taylor. Uh, And I think she listens to this usually. Nice. um, So I'm going to take Tuesday off. So I have another four-day week ahead of me, which is so nice. Scarlet. (laughs) Anyway, uh, well, good luck with that. Hopefully uh, that works out. Thank you. I do have one funny story from this week. Me and Kylie have been uh, getting into coin collecting a little bit. Oh, really? Just right there. We we found that big that big book. It's the 50 state quarters. We found oh, that yeah. at DI. So we bought it, and then Kylie already had a quarter collection, and we like transferred it to that one. And then we decided to buy the National Park one right there. They have National Park quarters? Yeah, for like the last 12 years. I did not ever. <laughs> no, well, they're called. Lying. They're called. Really? Grab yeah. that book. They're called. I think they're called America the Beautiful Quarters. So not not every state has a national park, but every state got to like pick one really cool thing. Okay. Yeah, they're from. I yeah, so the state quarters ended in 2009. These started in 2010 and they just finished. Anyway. I have not seen some of these. Yeah. I've never seen that bat one. Yeah, some of them are. Huh. Well, the bat one's new, 2020. So, yeah, it's it's one of the newer ones. Anyway, uh, we had a bunch of them because we went through um, some poker money last summer because Kylie's family plays po- like quarter limit poker. Oh, yeah. So, this uh, her family friend, Ron, has just like hundreds of dollars and quarters. <laughs> so, we got a lot of them. But... Uh, last Saturday, after we recorded, we tried to go to the bank and, and withdraw $300 in quarters. <laughs> like these rolls of quarters. And they wouldn't let you. No, they did. Really? Yeah, it was even after the bank closed. Uh, the lady was like locking up and she was like, what do you guys need? It was really nice. But we get back here and we realize that almost all the quarters were 2020 one quarters right nice. so they were like almost all the rolls were just like brand new quarters and they're all the same like there's not there's just one back to it <clears throat> but then like out of a roll a ten dollar roll just 40 quarters there's like one or two that are not that <laughs> so we're like okay do we unroll all all 30 of these to try to find the few quarters that might fit in our collection and we did <laughs> and we found like six quarters total I bet the bank was pissed the next week. Which was when progress. You it back. But, well, yeah, Kylie was able to just like dump it into a machine. And because we were a member at America First, they didn't charge us anything. But yeah, I was like, do we really unroll all of these to try to find? And I think, I think in the end, we kept like six quarters. So a dollar fifty. That's hilarious. It was fun though. I, I I have a coin collection from when I was a kid and my dad used to do that. And one time he brought back like fifty dollars in pennies. It was just a big old bag of yeah. pennies and like went through every single one of them trying to find like the different years and and whatnot. But Yeah. If, anyway, it was there's some of those pennies in like 
other rare coins that are worth some serious cash. Too. Yeah. Which is weird because you'd think a penny would be worth, you know, a penny. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> well, hopefully someday my great grandkids can sell it and buy themselves a boat or something. That'd be cool. Anyway, I guess we better get into the chapter now. Unless you have something no. else interesting to talk mm -hmm. about. <laughs> okay. All right, so part two, The Untethered Soul. The title of this part was Experiencing Energy. And there were three chapters. The first was called Infinite Energy. The next was The Secret of the Spiritual Heart. And the last one was Transcending the Tendency to Close. Uh, I'll just pass it over to you, Garrett. Where do you want to start? What did you What you think? You know, let's just start in order, I guess. So this first chapter within the, the this part two is infinite energy and what he was talking about in a roundabout way really explained what we would believe to be is like a spirit you know like that's where this infinite energy that one has uh comes from and he describes this he describes this infinite energy as something you can draw from um but you have to consciously make that decision to draw from it. And often we close ourselves off to this infinite energy. And it seems like we do that based on our attitude, based on our past experiences. Um, and uh, one point that he mentioned that I really liked was that perception takes energy. Uh, which is totally true. He, he equated that with like the senses, with our senses. Everything we have or everything that gets into our brain uh, via our, our senses is a form of energy. And our, our brain interprets it as such, you know. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting point. Yeah, it was, he also talked about how our emotions are just different energies. Yeah. Right, which is interesting, and it, and it makes sense. And he, he gave the example, that example is in the next chapter, but how <clears throat> you can see one thing, and it reminds you of an experience, and it can completely change, like, the energy you're feeling. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more in the next chapter, but... Yeah, the idea that, that all our experiences um, and our senses are just taking in, they're bringing experiences, our eyes are, it's not like we see the world through our eyes, it's like the world comes in through these electronic things, our eyes, yeah. and they <laughs> reflect, they like go into our seat of consciousness, and then we interpret that. Um and then the whole energy thing, one part I liked is he talked about how he talked about the feeling you have when you feel like you can just take on the world. You know, it's like such a good feeling. It's motivated. You feel energetic. You feel like happy. You feel um, enthusiastic. He makes the claim that you can feel that 24-7 if you just, if you just um, like keep your heart open to experience and everything yeah one thing i found kind of funny was he kept being like you just gotta stay open just gotta stay open and i'm like <laughs> okay like i mean that makes sense 
I feel like a large majority of how you perceive life is just based on your attitude, which is what he's getting at. Yeah. But it's just so funny that he's like, you're just limited by your ability to stay open. <laughs> which I think I, I think I found it funny because of the frequency with which he stated that. I literally wrote that down. <laughs> I wrote my thoughts on the chapter. He just kept saying never close <laughs> to the point where it was annoying. Yeah. Um, he just speaks in such definitive terms. You know, he's like, this is the most important thing for your life and your spiritual growth. It's just, just don't close. Just stay open. Like the first half of that chapter, he said, just stay open about 20 times. Yeah. The second half, he said, never close 20 times. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, okay, how? Yeah. How do we do that? But to be fair, I think he's right. It's, it was just kind of annoying, you know, uh, because I do think that yeah. a large part of life is just how you, how you take it. You know, the people I want to be around are the people that are, they're fun to be around, even when they're in a situation where it's not fun, you know? Yeah. Um, another thing that I did like from that chapter, he said, yeah, the idea of, of staying open like you know staying open to new ideas new experiences new people and, and I like that idea and then he talked about how a lot of people live life very closed off and it's as if you have prerequisites to enjoy anything you know prerequisites to enjoy yeah. your day which is a bad idea like, why have those prerequisites why why close yourself off to, to new things that could be great and even if they're not great and you're open to them, you're going to learn something from it. Um, but I did like that idea. Like, why give yourself that limitation? Why, yeah. why close yourself off to something new before it even happens? Yeah. And I mean, I, I have, I also have an issue with that, but I think I'll want to get more into that in the next chapter. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was overall, I mean, it's a good idea, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that all of us do that more than we think as well. Like, yeah. Uh, as I was reading this, I was I just kept thinking about work, and I was like, "Man, this is me. I'm just not." Especially lately, I just haven't been happy at work, mm -hmm. and it, a a large part of that is because I I closed myself off, and I haven't allowed myself to just be happy at work, which is, you know, that's mostly on me. Well, soon you're gonna be. You know, analyzing sludge, so, so that'll be yeah. way better. Uh, maybe <laughs> you're looking at a possible sludge analyst here. Sludge analyst, yeah. Um, okay, so the next chapter again was I thought was pretty related to this one. Man, you just need so much attention. Why do you want so much attention? <laughs> I'm talking to the dog, so everyone knows not Christian. Um. All right. So the next chapter, I'm going to try to explain uh, what he, the idea he gets across. Yeah, but I, he, I have a lot of thoughts on this one too. He talks about your heart and how your heart is just a valve of, I'm, I'm not going to do this justice because I don't, I mean, I, I don't really like this example all that much, but um, he does. So he talks about how your heart is an energy center and it's as if you're in a car driving on the freeway and there are just trees, you know, you see trees passing and you don't really 
focus on the trees. You just see it for a split second and it goes past and you move on to the next tree. And that's how it sounds like that's how he thinks we should all live our lives. That every moment and experience should be just like a tree that passes through our heart and our, and our, our consciousness or whatever. And then we move on to the next thing. And if we don't let any of those trees stay in our mind, we can be more fully present in every passing moment. Um, but he talks about how negative experiences happen and then we get an energy bubble <laughs> term he used <laughs> and how that bubble just like, uh, um, what's it called? And, uh, in, in, in an atom, there's electrons. Those are the ones that move around, right? And circle the nucleus. Oh, well, well, yeah. He talks about how technically kind of, kind of, uh, just, just, yeah, go with it. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. I, I um, he talks about how these energy bubbles just like circle our heart and they impede the ability to let energy through. <laughs> and, uh, and how... Don't laugh at the guy. Sorry. It's, and how... Um, and how we just let... We hold on to some of these things forever. And it impedes our energy and it, it helps, it, it reduces our ability to be at that state where we feel like we can take the world on that ideal state in, in his, in his view. Um, we also do that to good memories and we cling on to those because we don't want to forget them and doing both of those things doesn't allow us to be at our ideal state, which is, as I said before, when you're like in a car driving on the freeway. And you're seeing trees and they're passing you. And those are moments, but you can be present in each individual moment. How did I do explaining that? I thought you explained that really well. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah. In my mind, like, as I was reading this, I couldn't get past the heart thing for a long time. Because I just felt like it wasn't a great analogy. And then when I finally decided to just think of the heart as a metaphor you know, for your energy center. I was like, okay. Well, yeah, you should. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just like, was thinking about it so literally. This guy's not, like, no. guy not a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, shoot, sorry. So, yeah, like you said, the things that stick with us are the really good things or the really, really bad ones. Or even just really bad, not really, 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 you know. Or just, or just bad, bad, yeah. Bad and good things. <laughs> Those are the things that stick with you. It's not usually the neutral things. Uh, so, I was thinking about this in terms of, of sensory adaptation. Do you know what that is? No. So it's basically like if you wear a hat, for example, eventually you, you feel the hat when it goes on mm, okay. and then your body eventually stops sending signals to your brain saying that the hat is there, but your hat, <clears throat> so you're re really, you, you feel the stimulus when the hat goes on and when it comes off. <coughs> and that's kind of like what he's talking about, at least in my opinion, like when you're driving down the freeway and there's trees passing, eventually you just kind of forget about the trees, like you've adapted to them. Which this isn't a great analogy because in in his view, 
that's when you're most present. In my mind, it's not. It's like when you've adapted to that to that stimulus. <clears throat> but that's why we remember good things and bad things because they leave that lasting impression on us. It's like taking the hat on and taking it off. Um, in my opinion, where I think he is right, he talks about not dwelling on these things. It's okay to it's okay, and you will feel these things. Um, but to truly live in the moment, you you can't dwell on them. So it's not. He's not arguing that you should just never feel these things, never see these things, never have these emotions and and stuff like that. He's arguing that the less time you dwell on it, the more you can be present in the next moment of your life, whether it's good, bad, or neutral. And I think that that is a very valid point. Um, and when you can actively, you know, step back and realize what you're feeling, why you're feeling it, it's easier to let that go. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, it's an inter interesting example about sensory adaptation. Uh, I see what you're saying. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely think that there are, it, it is hard to have old memories that, you know, maybe you don't feel completely, <clears throat> like they don't feel completely resolved to you or you don't feel like you got closure on something. Yeah. And dwelling on that too much, obviously, just not not much good comes out of that, right? Um, and I see what he's saying there. And then I also, I thought of, of people who just, like, want to take pictures of everything, you know? Yeah. It's like you go on a nice long hike, you get to the top, and, like, you see the pretty sunset for about two seconds, and then someone's like, let's take a picture. It's like, yeah. no, why don't we just, like, look wow, at the sunset for a while and maybe take one picture. But, like, we don't <laughs> have to, the, the main activity doesn't have to be taking pictures when we're up here. Yeah. It's like, you don't want to be so worried about remembering every moment. And you also don't want to dwell on the past too much. But I also think that, like, a little bit of both of those things is healthy and good, you I know? Think so too. Um, and that's where... And maybe maybe it's just this guy's style of writing because he writes so definitively. Yeah. Like this is what you need to do. Um, for example, one one quote from that chapter I wrote down um, that I I didn't really like. He just says, "To achieve this state, simply allow the experiences of life to come in and pass through your being. If old energies come back up because you were unable to process them before, let go of them now. It's that easy." Like, it's not. It's not that easy. <laughs> it's like, you couldn't process something in your past, and it was difficult or meaningful, and, like, you think about it sometimes, and maybe it makes you feel sad or whatever. It's like, yeah. it's not that easy to let that go. Maybe it is for him, and maybe this is some, I've never really meditated, you know? And this book's made me want to, like, get into meditation a little bit, at least, yeah. and kind of understand it better. And maybe there's something to that, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just dragging myself down by remembering things and people in the past that, you know, just like some unresolved stuff. But like, I just don't know if I fully agree with them, you know, yeah. 
Um, and then he says it's just easy. It's like my thought is this guy has potentially never met anyone in his life who's ever gone through something terrible or really difficult, you know? It's like you were in uh, an earthquake or a car accident or like someone who got like raped. It's like, oh, it's that easy to just let that go. It's like, that's just not realistic in my mind. Yeah. And, you know, I think the more that this is practiced, this idea, the easier it probably becomes. Um, to be fair to him, he's probably been doing this for many, many years. True. And for him, it probably is that easy. And he's probably, he probably has seen a lot of people. He seems like one of those types of gurus that people would call up and kind of like a therapist, you know, and then he'd help them let go of things. <laughs> Have you looked up? I just looked up pictures of this guy right here. Yeah, I've seen him. Yeah, I've seen him. <laughs> he's got, and he's got white hair. He's old now, but he's got a comb over, a mustache, and a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty stereotypical uh, yeah. image there. That's very funny. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've meditated a little bit, and yeah. it's a it's a good experience. I feel like for those that don't believe in in god the way we do it's like equivalent to prayer for them kind of and honestly i think that there's good found in both things usually with with prayer you're you're addressing you know a, a god um whereas in in meditation you're usually focusing if i understand it right you know, you're focusing on on yourself and your inner your inner energy and your your breathing, um, and I think that there's merit to both, and they're both very helpful. Um, yeah, that's my my thoughts. Yeah, like I'm probably not giving him enough credit, and I can see how a lot of these ideas are. Uh, I mean, could be life changing to yeah. the people or people, right? I feel, yeah, I just feel like there's so many people that have such a hard time letting letting things go that just frankly don't matter. Some things do matter, like you like you said that that would be really hard to let go, and then some people just hold on to things that really don't. They're just so inconsequential, and mm -hmm. those things should definitely, I feel, fall by the wayside. But I think there's real power in learning to let go of bigger things as well that maybe do matter. And that's probably when true forgiveness for whatever, however you've been wronged can come, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That reminds me of one part I liked in the, in the, in the, the last chapter of this part, uh, chapter seven, transcending the tendency to close. He gives the example of a coworker stealing your pencil, <laughs> which I liked. I really liked that. <clears throat> And uh, he kind of brings up this idea of being centered and it's just to not let things bug you, basically. Not let yeah. not let things really get you down or, or whatever. And again, like I mentioned, I think certain things hard, certain things happen in this life that are just hard, you know. Yeah. Um, but for little things like what you just said, he gives this example of a coworker still in your pencil. And you can make the decision, like every time you look down to grab your pencil and it's your second favorite pencil because your coworker Bob just stole your, your best pencil Freaking and you, you know it. Like you can choose to be like, I hate Bob. I hate this pencil. 
I want my pencil back. Or you can make the other choice to just be like, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to let that emotion influence how my day goes. I'm not going to let that emotion influence, as he would put it, my positive energy, right? And there's a lot of power in that, I feel like, because it is so easy to just get irritated about dumb little things. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of that as well. Uh, what What I feel or what I think is very important that you mentioned that he also mentioned is you still feel the emotion. You still feel mad at Bob for stealing your favorite pencil. It's your choice whether or not that bothers you, though. Yeah. It's got um, something to say. I, yeah. I, th- I thought that, honestly, this <clears throat> this chapter was like the meat of, of the, the uh, part. I agree. Um, and this is where... I feel like real, if, if you did the things in this chapter, I feel like you could see some real growth. Uh, one thing that I really found really cool, shoot, I keep saying really. <laughs> That's really, one thing really bad. that I liked in this chapter that he talked about was the fact that we no longer at least in our country as, as human beings have to worry about like where we're going to get our food, uh, how we're going to survive our shelter. The majority of us don't have to worry about that. And I realize some do, but most of us don't. And that creates the problem of where we put our energy now, because it used to be going towards like evolutionary, evolutionarily. I don't know how to say that how we would survive. But now that we know we're going to survive, what do we do with our, with our energy and what do we choose to focus this on? Um, and frankly, a lot of the times we focus it on things that just don't matter. Like anger at someone stealing your freaking pencil. Um, and I feel like society does this as well. We kind of create problems that shouldn't be a problem. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, definitely. I definitely think people people do. And, you know, people love problems. You just watch the news and see the type of news articles that news companies put out because they know they're going to get views. It's always yeah. something negative, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess there's one quote that I would want to read um, that he gets into right after the stuff that Garrett was talking about. Um, he talks about how we use those survival instincts to protect ourselves, you know, and it's usually more of an emotional protection at this point. Um, and we're protecting the vulnerable things about us, the things that we're unco- self-conscious about, the things that we don't really like. And he, he says, if you don't really want it, then don't protect it. Um, which I really liked, you know, it's like we, we take these great lengths to, to not let people see our weaknesses, but it's like, if it's a weakness, why are you trying to protect it? Why not just like be open about it and, and talk with people about it, get advice and and improve and stuff like that. It's kind of what I, the way I took it. Yeah. Um, but I like that idea. Um, and then the one other thing that I, probably my favorite idea from this whole part, he says, 
If you protect yourself, you will never be free. Sorry, that's not it. The next part. <laughs> At the end of the day, whenever someone asks, how was your day? A normal, a normal response is not too bad or I'll survive. What is this telling you about their view of life? They see life as a threat. A good day means you've made it through without getting hurt. The longer you live like this, the more closed you become. Um, I liked that. And I feel like my go-to response is not too bad when someone asks me how my day is. Oh, not too bad. And I, I feel like that's a pretty optimistic, pretty positive response. I thought. And then I really thought about it. I was like, no, it's not. Because I'm literally, I'm like pleasantly surprised that my day wasn't terrible, you know? Yeah. Sorry, my well, dog's well, What's funny pest. is like, when you say that to people, they don't take it that way, though. Yeah. Which, if everyone did... I don't know. That, that I don't. I feel like that's why when I read that, that it hit me so hard because I thought the same way. Like I say that too, and everyone says it to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. When we ask each other how we are in America, it's very different from like like in Germany, for example. If if you ask someone how they are, they'll tell you, and, <laughs> and it's very confusing when they're like oh, my mom just died, and you're like, oh, crap. Like, the standard response here is not too bad. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that made me want to have a more positive response to that, you know, a more positive mindset about how my day was. And I feel like I don't give that response to everybody. Yeah. You know, like talking to Kylie you know it's obviously different but um he talks about how if you have that mindset if you answer like that that's evidence of you being pretty closed you know and it's true like I guess what you just said about people in Germany if if I was that open with acquaintances who asked me that question it'd probably like scare some people but it would also probably lead to some good conversations and like more connection with the people around me you know yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I feel like you definitely can't have true connection without vulnerability. Yeah. And to do that, you have to be honest with with yourself and with others. Uh, you know, maybe not respond like that the very first time you meet somebody, but yeah. <laughs> um, and it reminded me of one other quote that that I really like and I've always wanted to embody more in my life, but I've never really been good at it. And it's actually Mike Tomlin. Uh, <laughs> there's this. And that was another thing that happened this week. The Steelers got smoked in the playoffs, which was expected, but still a bummer. Yeah. Anyway, most people probably don't care or, or, or already know that. But um, there's this. 2008 was the last year the Steelers won the Super Bowl, and my dad bought like the NFL puts out this DVD of like their season and like highlights and interviews and and whatnot. And there's this one scene in it from training camp at the very beginning of the year. And Mike Tomlin's yelling out to his players. And he's like, thriving or surviving, right? Are we thriving or surviving? Which like has always stuck with me. It's like, you can either have the mindset that you're just surviving, right? Like my day was not too bad. Yeah. Or you can have the mindset where you're thriving and you're, you know, taking the bull by the horns and all those other cliches, but like you're actually going somewhere and you're accomplishing things. And uh, like, 
you're not just letting life happen to you. You're, you know, controlling your control and, and all those other good things. And like, that's, that's obviously who I want to be, but I definitely think I revert pretty consistently back to that surviving mindset. Um, which I don't know if that's what Michael Singer was trying to get at at all. Yeah. But that's kind of where my brain took it. And I, I just liked that. I, that idea. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to read what I wrote. Oh, my gosh. Gosh, she is she's a, She's a pest. All right, bye, Scarlett. Problem is, she's going to go up to, to our bedroom door and just go whine outside our bedroom door. <laughs> okay. Uh, I wrote, when our consciousness uh, can actively notice our emotions and let go of them after they have been experienced instead of storing them somewhere deep inside then you can truly become free it is the letting go of these emotions feelings and thoughts by our conscious and not the lack of them that propagates true freedom um, and next to that I put in parentheses liberty of mind um, you to, to have true freedom and true liberty you have to have a choice there has to be a choice somewhere uh, and the choice comes by how we respond to things. Do we want to survive or do we want to thrive? You know, that's the choice we have with every emotion, every, every thought, every, everything that we feel and think. If that's the choice, how do we actively choose, um, to thrive instead of survive? You know, that's, that's the, the part. Like, once you realize this, that's the part that's going to hang you up. And I feel like it's going to be very individualized per person. So, uh, I don't know how we actively track that, but... Yeah. Well, just just do it, as Michael Singer says. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> I feel like it's a lot easier once you know what you're looking for, for sure. Yeah, you got to have a, a goal. Yeah. I feel like, so far, we've read... About half this book. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like so far, 25% of it is like little inspirational messages that you would see on like the inside of a, a Dove wrapper, Dove chocolate, you I know? Love Dove chocolate. <laughs> we got some. I was nice. eating one this week and that's when that idea came to me. Like this book is just like these Dove chocolate wrappers. <laughs> anyway, 25%, I feel like is that. And then 75%, no, 65% is him repeating those ideas with slightly different words. And then 10% is just like really nice and really profound. <laughs> <laughs> That's also, I mean, if you look on the cover of the book, is that a unicorn or a horse? I, it looks like a unicorn. I feel like 90% of the time I think it's a unicorn. And I'm like, this guy's living in, on some different planet. <laughs> yeah. And then 10% of the time I'm like, that's a really nice picture of a, <laughs> a free horse running on the beach. You know? All right. Well, thanks for listening. See you guys next time. <laughs>